You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. One of these things that this sickness has brought about is perspective. We begin to learn what's essential and what we ought to hold loosely. And so our format may be changing from day to day. It may be that we have a preacher come in uh, and we record live uh, and archive that. It may be that they live stream or record a sermon from where they're located, honoring our present schedule. Or it may be that we have a different kind of programming uh, brought to you. Uh, But regardless, we're looking at having something every single day during Lent. Even though uh, things are changing around us, uh, ministry hasn't stopped. And so what we think is absolutely essential is uh, what God has to say about uh, his word. And we are reminded of this during our Lenten services here on Sundays uh, when we sing from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so without further delay, will you join me in praying for what we are about to hear? Grant to us, Heavenly Father, that the words which we will hear this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, once again, I bring you greetings from St. George's Church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and share as I did yesterday, what a great honor this is for me to be a part of the historic uh, Lenten preaching series at the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham. I think one thing I forgot to mention yesterday is that I used to live in Birmingham. My family and I were there in the late 1990s when I was on the staff at St. Luke's Episcopal Church and had the great good privilege of working for John Claypool, one of the most important mentors in my entire life. Um, And I, to this day, give gratitude for all the many friends that we have down there. Uh, Again, I express gratitude to the dean, uh, the staff, and all the good people at the Cathedral Church of the Advent. Again, what an honor to be preaching, uh, albeit in these very, very strange circumstances. We have a construction project going on here at St. George's Church, so uh, if you hear construction vehicles backing up and making beeping sounds. I apologize for that in advance. I want to read to you from the ninth chapter of the gospel according to John. Uh, This will have been the gospel text that many of us will have heard in church on Sunday. I realize that. I think it bears um, further engagement again for this week. As Jesus walked along, He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. Here ends the reading. Well, I mentioned in my uh, sermon with you yesterday that I had the great good privilege of being in the Holy Land recently with members of our church. And um, the first two days back, uh, I had the following experience. I would occasionally uh, whip out my phone and look at my weather app uh, to see what it said. I'd look and it would say 65 and sunny. Look out the window and it sure didn't look 65 and sunny. It looked about 48 and gray and wet. Coronavirus is even screwing up the weather app. We probably know where this is going. After about the third or fourth time of feeling this disconnect between the forecast on my phone and the actual weather outside, I realized that I was looking at the information for the weather in Jerusalem rather than the situation back here in Nashville. The weather information I was looking at did not fit my actual situation. I think it's kind of like that for all of us these days. Realizing that the, the systems we were inhabiting uh, are no longer our current situation. We aren't there anymore. We're seeing and living in an entirely new weather system altogether. Eyes to see the true reality of our current environment did not come naturally for me. There remains a kind of unreality uh, about this coronavirus pandemic and the responses to it. Uh, I, for one, initially underestimated the fallout from it, didn't see it coming like this at all. And so the theme of seeing and not seeing it's a very important one in the Gospels. Jesus, as you will recall, heals a number of people with blindness. And why this infirmity so often? The disciples are often portrayed as failing to see how Jesus is the Christ, lacking in spiritual perception of the cross. Jesus' opponents are often portrayed as blinded by their um, prideful self-assurance. They so often cannot see the forest for the trees. St. Paul's own conversion experience is described to us as scales falling from his eyes. So in the Gospels, 
Blindness is more than a severe physical infirmity. It represents the powers of darkness that keep us from seeing who Jesus really is. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So says Jesus the Christ in the gospel according to John from which we just heard. In the ninth chapter of John's gospel, we have this long story, I only read a portion of it, about Jesus healing a man who has never been able to see in his entire life. But after his encounter with Jesus, this man does see. It is a particular physical healing story in the gospel about an individual man, but I think we are to hear it also as a universal story. For we ourselves are being addressed as those who may stumble in our blindness, our spiritual senses damaged or dulled, or perhaps never used to taking in the incandescent grace, the all-encompassing love of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Yet we do not see by this light as we long to. We do not see all that we are meant to see. It is worth deep reflection. I think it is worth constant soul searching to ask ourselves why this is so. What do you think God wants us to be seeing right now? What do you think Jesus wants us to be looking at right now? As sisters and brothers in Christ, what is 2020 vision for right now? Again, our Lord says it, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But of course, there are other lights to see by. There are a lot of other things to look at. There's the news. You can look at your stock portfolio, although I don't recommend it. You can look at worst case scenario graphs charting the spread of the virus. Of course, there is the ongoing view inside of your house or your apartment. And I've been pointing out here that this whole pandemic has aggressively exposed where so many of us put our trust, where we, where we look for abundant life, our health, our wealth, and our social life or our social connections. All three of those realms are under threat from coronavirus, or at least quarantined. And we can spend all of our energies looking at all of that. If we choose to, God will let us. But we can look elsewhere. We can choose to recalibrate our vision. So I had a call with a, a good friend here uh, in Nashville um, last week. And he commented um, about how much the world changed after 9-11. Of course, we had all kinds of new realities to, to learn to live with in the wake of that disaster. Think of airline travel today. He wondered what new realities we would come to live with after this worldwide crisis. Not just temporary behavioral adjustments until the 
coronavirus goes away, but maybe we would come to see that there are a lot of things about the way we are living our lives, making assumptions about what it's all about that are false. Maybe we would see something new that would last afterward. Maybe in something in being together as, as families more often, spending more time with loved ones right now, spending more time at home and resting instead of overworking and thinking about what it is truly to be a good neighbor and experiencing um, new ways to be church together in returning to God through perhaps new or renewed disciplines of, of prayer and scripture reading. Much wisdom there and many hopes that it will all be so, as my friend suggests. Health, wealth, our social status. For so many of us, these have been like the temple in Jerusalem that Jesus predicts correctly will all come down, not one stone resting upon another. We quite rightly don't wish for any of that, but the collapse of our various temple complexes is often, often the path to new and unexpected life. I wonder if trusting that, seeing this, is to enter very close to what our calling is meant to be as Christians for right now, for this day and age, for our world and for one another. But back to the, to the man who is born blind in John's gospel. As I shared, I think he is representative of us but of course, he himself suddenly sees. How does this happen? It is one of the more, um, I'd say, indelicate acts recorded about our Lord that he, we are told, spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and rubbed it in the man's eyes. The light of the world shines through spit and dirt through mud, and this miracle in the gospel is the new creation of the world in miniature. I think we're supposed to get this because it harkens back to the very beginning, the creation story in the book of Genesis where God brings life out of nothingness, water, dirt, elemental and earthy. Out of darkness there came light. Out of the waters and the earth there comes life. And it happens still through the power of Christ. Jesus heals through mud. Through mud, a total identification and transformation of the mud of human existence. The smudges of fruitless toil the dust of empty living, the stain of sin and the ashes of disease and suffering and death, especially death on the cross. And the beginning of new sight is suddenly to realize how much we have been blind to before. Poignantly and sometimes painfully, our inevitable experiences of Darkness in this present world can, by God's grace, be the very contexts 
to see new realities, to see with fresh spiritual perspective. And that is in no way, no way whatsoever, to take lightly the blindness and the darkness of this world that we are experiencing right now in this very strange day. It is rather to invite you to see beyond it. It is rather to pray to God that he would reveal himself anew. St. Paul says, live as children of light. And I think it's fair to look back over the history of Christians living together in times of great upheaval or unexpected turmoil and see that so often crises can serve as a, as, as a media of grace, the means by which the darkness has to be identified before it can be removed properly. So when we have so much that has been stripped away, where do we look? From whence is our help to come? Jesus is there offering new sight through the mud, through this mud today. I believe that. And that is why I believe, that is why I hope that when this coronavirus pandemic comes to an end, and folks, it is good to remember that this will come to an end. When it's over, I want to have seen things about myself, about my world, and about my Lord that I will not forget. Beautiful and powerful and grace-filled things, my Savior. It is in the nature of being human that we become what we look at. The 20th century psychiatrist, uh, William James, knew this. He said once, my experience is what I agree to attend to. Only those items I notice shape my mind. So again, what are you paying attention to right now that is most important? Mass epidemics in the past have inspired the very best in Christians and have caused whole societies to reevaluate their systems and values. And none of that would be a bad thing for us right now. We are in the midst of it today, right now. And I'm not sure any of us can draw out as of yet any definitive statements about what it all means or how it's all gonna end. But what we can do, indeed what we must do as Christians, is look intently for the light who comes into this world of mud and coronavirus and collapsing markets and a strange shortage of eggs and toilet paper and enlightens everything by his grace and truth. And finally, lest we forget in all this frenzy, this is the season Lent. And the one we look for, the only source of true and lasting healing, loves us to the point of his own death on the cross that we might be cleansed of the mud of this world and live forever. The world in so many places is looking at this reality with faulty prescription eyewear 
and too often our own glasses in the church are smudged as well. Our call, your call, is simply now more than ever to look to the cross. Maybe the world will look at us looking at the cross. That would be a blessing. Who knows? But deep down, and perhaps in entirely new ways, we ourselves confess that we would like to see with new eyes, to be healed by God, to become amazed once more by some irresistible attraction to Jesus as the center of our gaze, this one that we may not have given much attention to or as much attention to as we should have up to now, but in light of where we are, will come to garner our entire attention, indeed, our whole life. Let us pray. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. By grace, dear God, may we have faith that Christ is indeed in this world. And that is not only enough to see by in a time like this, it is all. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.